1: Pretty uh, appropriate ending to the intro there, SGA, the Thunder lead by one, because that's kind of what happened, although it wasn't SGA who ended up putting the Thunder up to end up winning by one, but what a fun and exciting game on a, a rather bleak and uh, pretty tough day, I think, around the nation. Um, first and foremost, what is up, Thunder fans? Welcome to the Young Intensive Podcast, the official podcast of Boomtown Hoops, and a proud part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, which I actually will tell you guys a little bit about if you guys are interested in joining the network uh, here later on in the podcast. Uh, This is your host for the post-game podcast today, Taylor. And uh, like I said, it was a pretty fun game to cover. But with that being said, I don't think it would be right um, without starting out. Just with this quick note, uh, if you guys follow us on Twitter, you guys probably saw that... uh, on our Twitter account, we went ahead and put something out. I put out a statement because obviously it was a pretty tough day for the United States of America. Um, And us here at The Uncontested, we are not blind to that. And we realize that there are quite a few things bigger than basketball. For example, somebody very close to us just recently lost someone. um, Just personally, I actually, recently have had COVID. And thankfully, it has been, um, I think, I've gone through it much better than most people, and I consider that a gigantic blessing. But we realized there are things bigger than basketball, including what is going on in our country right now. And in some ways, honestly, sitting with you guys, or not technically sitting with you guys, um, but sitting here tonight and recording a podcast about something like basketball, it, it almost feels insensitive during this time. But with that being said, this isn't a political podcast. So obviously we don't go too deep into it. Second of all, it's not a political pa- podcast, so we're going to talk basketball. We're going to talk OKC Thunder and NBA. And oftentimes we do this to get away from everyday life to begin with here at The Uncontested, and it's actually grown into something. And we have listeners, uh, you guys, who who seem to enjoy it <laughs> and, and interact with us. And today is no exception um, to, to trying to get away from everyday life. And so we also realize it's a privilege to be able to quote-unquote, turn off, you know, turn on the blinders and get away from everyday life, you know, to turn on a basketball game and forget about our troubles for a few hours. So with that being said, we chose to cover tonight's game because we are doing what we love and are passionate about, and we didn't want to let what happened today stop that. And we also hope to bring you all some needed, much-needed distraction and joy while doing so. And so that's why we chose to go ahead and cover tonight's game. Um, that's why we're doing this podcast tonight. That's why we were on Twitter talking about basketball. Um, I just wanted to go ahead and start with that because obviously there's a lot going on in this nation between everything that happened today, um, politics and also COVID and so many other different things, um, as we turn a chapter on a new year, but here we are talking about basketball and because we, we love to do it and and we hope that you guys love listening to us. So here we are. And, like I mentioned, what a fun game to help distract us from everything going on as the Thunder pull out a tough win against a New Orleans Pelicans team who had just recently beat them by 30 points the week before. It seems pretty crazy. 30 points the week before, the Thunder end up squeaking this one out. (laughs) Uh, Goodness, here it is, 111-110. A one point game. Just some quick game notes to start us off because, like I said, it was pretty crazy. Um, the first quarter was pretty rough from a shooting standpoint. OKC got out, rebounded 20 to 9, and they were down 34 to 26 at the end of the first quarter to kind of give you a summarization of how that went. Not a great start, uh, but with that being said, they were still within striking distance. And that's really what ultimately um, kept them in it throughout the game. Um, some decent defense overall but the shooting was pretty rough, and uh, Shea, and and guys like Shea, Baisley, some of the young guys, that seemed to get quite a bit of burn in that first quarter, and that would continue throughout the game. This wasn't a game like we talked about uh, a couple, or I guess last podcast on Sunday, when we mentioned, you know, like there was a a game last week, my gosh, I can't remember, maybe it was a Pelicans game, where it seemed like Dagnall played the bench for quite a while. Um, This was a game where he definitely was playing rotations, trying to remain competitive, and and give the team a chance, and it ended up working out for him. So, so, kind of speaking on on that point, something that was super surprising was the second quarter, because that was the bench takeover. That was the bench takeover of the game, and really, it it, it was really impressive. The bench leaves the quarter. The Thunder are now up forty-seven to forty-three. They were down thirty-four to twenty-six. Thunder are now up forty-seven to forty-three towards the end of the second quarter when the bench leaves. That was largely due. Uh, to some great defense. Uh, Isaiah Roby played some really good defense, had some really good cleanups, uh, had a really nice corner three. He's playing some solid basketball right now. Um, Hamadou Diallo, really, I don't even think I have him in my notes coming up, but is really uh, playing much more disciplined these past couple of games and has been playing much better. You know, they're, they're still the occasional bad jumper, of course, but he's a little more under control. And what I love to see that the, he's been doing the past two games is uh, running in transition, and uh using his athleticism to get in front of the other team and making them pay. And speaking of which in that second quarter I think we saw him have two uh and ones and he had a third where he like somehow was able to scoop the ball up and under uh under the basket as he fell behind the backboard was able to get it up in the air, and he almost had a shot at a third and one. would have been his third straight. It was pretty wild. All that to say, um, I thought Homme played really well with that second unit tonight and was a large spark in that second quarter. So the bench leaves the quarter. The Thunder are up 47 to 43, but the starters come back in and continue to struggle. The Thunder go down 59 to 54 at the half. So the third quarter, just, I mean, as, as simple as you can put it, the Baisley and Shea take over. They combined for twenty-five points in the quarter and OKC outscores New Orleans 34 to 19. I believe Baisley had like the first what the first six points. Um he he ended up, I think he had like I don't yeah, I think he had fifteen in the quarter. And uh it, it was really, really impressive from Baisley from there. That opens up the floor for for Shea, which we'll get into. And uh like I mentioned they, Shea and Baisley combined for twenty five points and uh yeah, it was a, it was a great quarter. Um, great quarter for OKC. The fourth quarter, the bench struggles quite a bit um, to, to start the fourth. They let the Pelicans come back uh, from a when the Thunder are up 10, I believe, at the uh, end of the third. The bench lets them come back. I, I think it's only a four-point game. But then we have the Mike Muscala eruption. Muskie himself rattles off three straight three-pointers in under a minute. Nine straight points in under a minute to put the Thunder back up uh, by a decent margin. So then the Stars come back in. They kind of let the Pel- Pelicans go on a run. Zion gets a bucket with under a minute to put the Pelicans up one, actually, at one point uh, towards the end of the game. Shea drives and misses on the next position, but uh, possession. But Horford gets a, a really huge and <laughs> pretty impressive rebound. He's able to get it out to George Hill. George Hill drives, gets fouled. He hits both free throws, puts the Thunder up one. And then on the last possession, um, they try to get the ball to Ingram, try to get him something. He ends up kicking out to uh, Shea's cousin, Nakel Alexander Alexander Walker, who misses at the buzzer. Really nice three-point look. Um, It was kind of contested. George Hill came over to try and contest it. Lou Dort came to try and contest at the very end. Um, But it kind of rattled in and out, and that was the game. So all that to say... (laughs) Quite a nice distraction. <laughs> uh, oh, and on top of all of that, I didn't even mention Stephen Adams. Former OKC legend Stephen Adams has his first triple-double, and of course it's against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Pretty poetic. Anyways, all that to say, uh, there's quite a few themes to take from the craziness of tonight's game, and I'm going to borrow an old segment from my good friend and member of the podcast, Kamira Morabian. We're going stock up and stock down. And as always, if you guys have listened to the podcast before, if you've listened to any of my post-game podcasts, we always start with the negatives and we end on the positives. Sometimes I split the podcast up into negatives and positives. So we're going to start with stock down, end with stock up. We'll uh, do a quick ad read. We'll get into your guys' Twitter questions, and we'll get out of here. So my stock downs. I want to start without Horford. And that's, again, stock down doesn't necessarily mean these players are terrible and awful. I can't believe, you know, if these aren't overreactions. It's just this guy's kind of, or this guy, this theme, it, it, it's kind of trending downward for me. This is something to keep an eye on. Al Horford is my first one here. 311 from the field, only seven rebounds. I say only seven. You know, obviously that's a solid number, but for your starting center, it's a little worrisome. Now I know coming into it, uh, we know Al Horford is not your traditional big. Um, he's kind of the, uh, one of the pioneers maybe of the the stretch center. And he's even mentioned in the past, he like, he he almost views himself as a power forward. I understand that, but uh, that continues to seem to be an issue. He doesn't want to play much down low, um, a lot of play on the perimeter, which works in certain circumstances. But we saw that to be an issue tonight, especially against a team like the New Orleans Pelicans, who have really great bigs, that's just Steven Adams and Zion, uh, and then you know they're bringing in Jackson Hayes and others off the bench. That's pretty killer. On top of that, the rim protection is not great, if not non-existent, for Al Horford. Um, he hits big-needed threes at times, but he hasn't been consistent. Thirty-two percent from three this season, per NBA stats. true shooting percentage, which is a pretty solid true shooting percentage, but that would be his lowest of his career if that continues. So all of that to say, you know, Al's played pretty well overall for the Thunder, but there's a lot of things that that definitely hurt some. Um, And that kind of leads me to my next stock down, and that's the Thunder interior presence. The Pelicans have 58 points in the paint to the Thunder's 36 tonight. <laughs> uh, definitely an issue, again, against a team like the Pelicans who have great bigs and traditional bigs like Steven Adams, and then you have a you know a, a guy who really plays down low and above the rim like Zion, a little different, but still, you know he's getting the majority of his points in the paint. Um, obviously, that's going to be a bigger discrepancy against a team like that compared to, for example, the Orlando, Orlando Magic, who the Thunder have also played recently, who have stretch bigs. But when you're playing a team like that, that that's going to hurt you. And I, we saw that quite a bit. And I don't think it's a coincidence. I mean, it, it's kind of strange to say this because Roby and Moscow are not necessarily um, not necessarily traditional bigs either. But they're also playing against the Pelicans' bench as well, typically. Um, so you only have like one of Zion or Steven out there. Um, so it's probably why we saw them play a little better um, in the paint, the bench compared to the starters. But with that being said, again against a team like New Orleans this is, this is going to hurt you. And I I think you kind of look at bigs like you know, I mentioned Horford a little bit ago, and you have Baisley you find them on the perimeter quite a bit on the offensive end um, with the ball. And when they're doing that, you don't have anybody download to rebound. Um, on the defensive end, you know, if they're chasing defenders out on the perimeter, you're not going to have them down low for rim protection. Uh, in, in the second half, that improved because we saw Horford actually come down and help Baisley with Zion. And that was actually a, a really big uh, component that I want to mention that, that really did help the Thunder play better defense in the second half and ultimately led to them um, playing better overall and kind of led to their run they had in the third quarter. But with that being said, um, you know, it it's something to keep, a, keep an eye on. Um, you know, and that's our job as our job. I say job. But that's something we like to do as podcasters is point some of these things out, but there's just such a huge disclaimer over this season because with all of that being said, it's a tankier and that's, you know, rim protection, um, a, a paint presence, it's a flaw that you probably are okay with having this season, um, but something to at least keep in mind when we're thinking about team building um, and drafting moving forward. Um, so when you have you know, two seasons from now, if Baisley, Shea, Dort have taken huge leaps, and let's say we, we land on a great prospect this next coming season who is who, you know, just super impressive, and maybe we're a little further along in the tank than we think that we should be or uh, than, than we expect currently, that's something to keep in mind. You're, you're going to need better um, better uh, rim presence, uh, shot blocking, and, and just a better presence in the paint, I think, too, to help balance out this team. But again, this team's going to continue to evolve and change. Um, but I have to add that in there for stock down tonight. Another stock down. And uh, this guy overall is probably a huge stock up, and I'll get into that later. Baisley's three-point shot. I just want to mention that briefly. 30.6% from three on um, 5.1 attempts per game. I like seeing him take that attempt number, and that's honestly not a terrible percentage from what we probably expected from Days. Um, and, and like I said, I love his confidence, and this is the year to pull it and improve. Again, with the huge disclaimer of this being a tank season, but it's very inconsistent. You know, sometimes it's on, um, he, he's close, or it's going in, he, he routes two straight, something like that. But in other times, like tonight, in the when he came back in um, in the fourth quarter after he had his hot streak in the third. I mean, he's like, you know, obviously full of confidence, feeling good, wants to get his shot going again. He's pulling some pretty bad uh, decision three-point shots. And one in particular one in particular actually goes <laughs> um, past the rim and hits the other side, the far side of the backboard. And it's just shots like, and, and then he had one. Um, and, and it was fairly close. It was fairly spot on. Uh, kind of a heat check shot where he goes in between the legs for a step-back three-pointer. And again, it was close, but that's probably not the best shot to be taking in that situation, even if you are on, because Baisley's not even when he's hot, uh, and as much as he's improved this season, he's not a knockdown three point shooter. So all of that to say, from everything we've seen from him, and I'm going to get get into that uh, here soon, I would like to see him use his increased confidence and strength to drive and initiate more pull ups. So you know he's he's trying to mix it up between you know finishing around the rim and hitting those three-point shots. And we're starting to see that some, uh, the, some of these mid-range pull-ups uh, over the past couple of games to see if more comfortable. But I'd really like to see him balance out step-back threes and those bad threes, because he can almost drive at will right now. I mean, it's really incredible. So mix in some pull-ups there. And I think that's really going to open up the rest of his game. So the final stock down I have here, the tank. Because games like tonight hurt the tank. As fun as they are, I'm not compl- necessarily complaining, and in the way that they won is probably something that I should mention. It was largely due to the young guys like Baisley and Shea, and that's exactly what you want to see, but you're not going to get Kate Cunningham <laughs> if you're winning close games against pretty decent teams. Now, there's it's a long season. We're probably going to trade away guys like George Hill and, uh, and Al Horford and others. That's That's going to help contribute to that. This isn't something to be concerned about, but again, After a win like tonight, I have to mention, the tank is probably stocked down. Now, let's get more positive. Let's end on some big positives here. We're going stock up, and I'm starting right where I left off. I'm going with my man, Baze. He is feeling it. Whole new swagger this season. We saw it in the bubble. We saw it start to emerge. But this season, he has a bigger opportunity, and uh, he is taking full advantage of it. 55 points 32 rebounds in the past 3 games. Uh three double-doubles in the first 7 games. Nine straight blocks in nine straight games with the block and that came from the broadcast. And what's really impressed me is his rebounding. Uh it, it's improving so much. I mean, he, he he's to the point where he's flirting. Uh you know, I mentioned the three double-doubles in the first 7 games, but he's been close multiple even more times uh, than that. And the rebounding, his, his ability to get to the ball after a shot is just super impressive. And then from there, you know, we mentioned this on the past couple of podcasts, but he's able to, and it's kind of the offense that Degnant has designed, but he's able to, uh, to strip the rebound and go with it. And, and he's able to handle the ball. Um, it's very rare that a guard is able to come up and, and really put pressure on him because he's either going to make the correct pass and be able to pass out of it, or he's able to take it all the way to the other end of the floor and initiate some some fast break points, which is really important for this team and something that's going to be really fun. I think it fits really well alongside Shea moving forward, and I'm really excited to continue to watch that. Now, he did have some um, turnovers there, especially in the fourth quarter where he kind of struggled, um, but again, all that's just growing pains, and uh, I cannot speak highly enough about bailey right now now. Super exciting. And, uh, you know, I I can't wait to continue to watch him develop throughout the season and and, and into the next couple of seasons, which leads me to the next guy. Shea Gilchrist Alexander, man, he, he's just so good. And his IQ and ability to read defenses is next level. Even if his shot wasn't falling and like it wasn't early, in tonight's game and it hasn't really been the past couple of games he's continued to drive and he's able to create for others and he's making some of these just next level passes um, he had one for example where he initiates um, or he, he drives to the rim he's able to uh, pull in two defenders on him and somehow he's able to extend his long arms with like a, a one-handed left-handed uh, ba- uh, bounce pass down low to Baisley in a two man game where, where Baisley had come up and set the pick and roll for him. And it's just like these angles that Shea's able to get to, they're just so impressive. And even when his shot's not falling, you know, he's been able to continue to improve as a playmaker and that's so important. Um, but we saw a more aggressive shake tonight. And that's something that we've kind of talked about on the podcast, wanting to continue to see as he gets more comfortable within this season and his new role, his increased role in the team. He kept trying to get to the rim. Um, And it was hard for him early because, like I mentioned, the Pelicans have really good bigs and really good shot blockers and rim protectors. You know, (laughs) we're very familiar here in OKC with Steven Adams. And then Zion, you know, just so athletic, so strong and big. It's going to make it hard for a guy like Shea to drive down low, especially if teams like Pelicans are daring uh, the other Thunder players to shoot from outside or even want Shea to shoot from outside because his outside shot still isn't quite there. Especially once Basley got hot, it just, it opens the drive in the third quarter. That opens driving lanes for Shea, which led to him getting his jumper going. So he's able to drive to the rim, make things happen, create, really gain more confidence. And that's when we sh- saw him like shoot a, a a nice three-pointer and get that going. And then hit a couple pull-up spots. It was really awesome. He had a play where he was able to uh, kind, of, kind of put a defender on skates and then go and pick his spot um, in the midcourt again. Some. A lot of flashes from CP3 this past season. You can see where Shea has been studying him uh, all of last season. And speaking of that, I love the CP3 callback towards the end of the game where Shea gets the defender up in the air um, from the three point line with a really nice shot fake. And uh, he's able to jump, or he's able to get the defender to jump, draws a foul, hits all three free throw shots, and just traditional Chris Paul form. Um, it was really, really nice. And again, reminiscent of, of things that CP3 have taught him, and I think that's going to benefit him. We talked about this last season. will benefit, for for, uh, benefit him for the rest of his career. And I just thought the top of my head, um, I heard this on the broadcast. I think it was Nick Gallo who was asking this question. And I wasn't able to go back and look it up before I started recording, but I believe he scored six points in the clutch and assisted on another four. Again, that's maybe not direct, but he had a really solid clutch, um, basically just missing a pretty heavily contested um, drive at the end of the game. that Could have iced the game, but instead that led to the Horford really <laughs> huge rebound. Uh, kicks it out to George Hill. George Hill gets fouled, hits the free throws, and then Nikkel misses the game winner, and, uh, and here we are. So... Again, all that to say, super exciting stuff, uh, a really fun game. And those are just kind of some of the things that, that stood out to me that I can cover here in a 30-minute post-game podcast. So uh, let's go ahead and dive into this ad read, and I'm going to answer your guys' Twitter question because you guys delivered as always. Hey, everyone. I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. And the best part is, you can get all this for only $15 a month. The same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. That's bwhustle.com join. All right, so I asked for Twitter questions, and you guys delivered. <laughs> I have quite a few of them here. I'm going to try and get to as many as possible. I'll try to get to all of them. And uh, some of them uh, were kind of similar. You know, a lot of you guys asked about Basley, A lot of you guys asked about the young big three in Baisley, uh Shea, and Dort. So let's go ahead and start with the Basley question. We have Trey, uh, at Smooth Shea. How long until teams start adjusting their defense to combat Basley? And Trey, I think that's already beginning to happen. Um, for example, in that fourth quarter, we saw Bazley struggle some, and yes, that's because he, he did cool off. But uh, some of it, as well, was because teams are kind of playing off Bazley. Because, like I mentioned, that three-point shot still isn't consistent, and still isn't there. He's going to hit at least two when he's you know taking that many attempts. But with that being said, uh, I think we're going to see them continue to sag off Bazley and trying to, to to push him to the perimeter because that's where he's least effective right now, um, and, and we'll probably see bigger players on Baisley and um and, and guys who may, maybe bigger wings who can keep up with him especially on this team where you don't really have a lot of big wings or at least the wings that are playing um aren't super effective unless you have like a, a Lou Dort or a, a more of a shooting guard in that wing position possession yeah position so all that to say um I think we're just going to continue to see teams kind of play off Baisley and he's going to have to uh, make him pay either with mid-range pull-ups and, you know, when he's driving to the rim and then knocking down some of those open three-point shots. Thunder underscore Thunder, Homie's Jump Shots. Is there any way... Well, Thunder underscore Thunder is the name. They said Homie's Jump Shots. Is there anyone who could tell him he is just extremely terrible in that? So stop trying. All fans wish. And I agree. Um, Homie has a confidence, a poku, and he's not going to... (laughs) to stop taking those mid-range mid-range shots, especially when he's kind of thinks he's the guy in that second unit, whether he is or not. But again, as I mentioned at the top of the podcast, he's, he is doing much better. He, he's making better decisions, um, and I just hope we can continue to see that improve and that the coaches continue to help him on that, as well as the, as the vets. Sean at Phi underscore Ilsen, how surprised are you guys at Darius Baisley's development so far, and did you see him being such a good rebounder? It's a really good question. Um, again, I mentioned at the top of the podcast or I guess in my, um, my stock up segment that I didn't really see him being such a good rebounder. That that was the biggest surprise to me. And I think if I would have taken anything from how he played in the bubble, I could have seen the increased confidence, um, see him continue to score, Um, I would just hope that he would be able to, you know, finish better around the rim and then probably expect his three-point shot. Um, And, you know, if he was going to be scoring 20 points uh, every other game, (laughs) it's probably due to his three-point shot. That's not the case. Um, His confidence and his strength has grown tremendously. And like you said, the rebounding really has surprised me. So uh, I'm pretty surprised overall, uh, really impressed, and just hope to continue to see this growth, especially when we trade away guys like Horford uh, and, and he mm-hmm. <laughs> truly is. And there'll be another true big, I'm sure, alongside him or another center. But with that being said, it'll be interesting to see when he kind of has a bigger role when some of these guys are traded away, if they continue to have that linear improvement. Pokemon at Thundor. Thunder season record in the end this year. Oh man, that's really tough. I think I was saying somewhere around like 23 games, and that kind of seems to be spot on, uh, especially depending if they wait until like the last minute to trade away a George Hill and Al Horford or both. So I think I'm going to stick with that 23 mark, which may be a little high. We'll see. And it may be a little too high if they do end up hitting that mark to get um, a top like six draft pick. But we'll see. We'll see. The West is pretty rough, and those wins have to come from somewhere. So it, it could be less, and um, it's kind of tough to tell right now. Again, especially with some of these vets on the team. Thunder Talk UK, how impressed have you been with the ball movement so far this year? And all the all the guys look to be playing really unselfishly too. I agree with that completely. And there's a ton of ball movement, and uh, I mentioned this actually. I think on my last post game podcast, but I'm really impressed with the offense that Dignall has implemented and how disciplined the guys seem to be with that. And, um, you know, every once in a while you get some ball stoppers like a jack three from Beasley or a bad jump shot from Homie, but I think you're going to take some of those, um, especially this season. And, um, you know, and then there's times where you, you wish that Shea would shoot the ball more <laughs> instead of making those extra passes. But that's what's so valuable about this team and um, something I think is really good for these, these young guys. And I've been really impressed with the offense that Dignall has installed and the discipline of these guys. Um, so to your point, uh, I've been very impressed. We have Cheshire Cat. So, is that who I think is what he meant is value more between Bays and Dort? And how does this show the genius of Presti? Has a Thunder finally found their three and D guy in Dort? Um, so, who's value more? That's super tough. That is super tough. I don't even know if I can say that right now because it kind of depends on the game, right? Um, Definitely chose the genius of Presty. I think Sam was at or er, Sam, uh, Nick was actually on our podcast was was mentioning this tweet this out the other other day on our account. But uh, the fact that Presty went in with one draft pick in that draft comes away with Baisley, who already is showing so much improvement and so much promise, and then gets an undrafted free agent and Lou Dort. Um, genius, absolutely genius. To your point, Cat, and has the Thunder finally found a three and D guy. That three, that three point shot looks real from Lou. It, it looks real, and the fun part is I think there's a lot of room for him to grow on the defensive end as well. Um, his on-ball on defense is very impressive. but He needs to continue to improve, getting around screens, and uh, it, it does need help on some like some of the quicker, longer um, wings that he's defending. Like, for example, Ingram. He's kind of struggled with him this season. So uh, really, really fun stuff and a, a lot to follow, I think, still with the development of Lou. Chincho, our guy Chincho, hashtag Pokeball. When am I supposed to feel for this win? I'm still very confused. I know. It's so tough because it's such a fun game. And I think what I've come to is like it's just a lot less stressful this season. If the Thunder win it's it's it, it, and it's a game like tonight where they're not winning because of Al Horford and George Hill or anything crazy like that. They're winning because of um, of guys like Shea and Baisley continue to show their growth and improvement. The young guys continue to grow against good competitive teams like the Pelicans. I think that's okay. Um, but if, for example, Nikel Alexander-Walker hits that last second shot, we aren't nearly as dev- devastated this season as we were the last season. So that's kind of the attitude I'm taking into this. Obviously, I want them to lose more games than they end up winning these close games like this because that means better draft pick. But um, it's okay to win games like this, especially when it's guys like Shea and Baisley who are leading the charge. At, uh, Cody, where do you think the Warriors will finish this season in regards to us getting their pick? That's a really good point. Um, I'm kind of thinking they're still going to maybe end up in that like six through nine range. Um, I think at the worst there'll be a play-in tournament team. At the best, they're six or seven seed. But it's tough. I mean, if stuff isn't doing what he's been doing, just scorching, scorching hot the past couple of games, it's going to be tough. So we'll see. Um, let's see. Oh, here's an interesting one. Brand XO, at real brand XO, is Baisley better than Shea? I don't think so. Uh, And she's probably joking maybe a little bit here, but I do get her point. I mean, Baisley um, has shown flashes where he could, if he can find consistency in his offense and the way he's playing on both sides, he could be the leading scorer for this team um, at, at a certain point in the future. And if that's the case, you know, does that mean that Shea isn't as good as him? No, not necessarily. It means that Shea's setting things up for him. And he's, I, I still think Shea's the more well-rounded player, but I think Baisley's scoring ability has surprised me. And, you know, at the end of the season, if this seems crazy, but, you know, Baisley could be averaging like 16 and 9 or something like that, 9 rebounds. Uh, but I still think we're going to see Shea end up averaging 20-plus again, uh, and, you know, pretty high assist numbers and uh, rebound numbers. So I think overall, Shea's the most re- well-rounded player, and I still think he's just trying to get a feel for being the main guy this season. And it's going to be really fun to watch. I By the second half of the season, I think Shea's going to be rolling, and uh, I'm really excited to watch it. Dan Fowler, what's worse, Homie's jump shot or Kenny Hustle's hair? That is pretty good. That is pretty good, man. yeah, uh, Kenrick Williams hair is pr- pretty gross. It, he's a guy who comes in and he does some solid things uh, Kenny Hustle because he makes the hustle plays. Uh, he played well with that bench and, and made some things happen tonight, but the offense just is not great and he tries and he has some okay moves, but the shot just isn't there. He's just kind of a guy out there. Um, you know he's a guy you can throw in and see what will happen especially in a season like tonight. Um, But his hair is pretty bad. I am not going to lie. Homie's jump shot's awful, though. So I think I'm going to have to go to Homie's jump shot. That's a really good question. Really good question. Both of those are pretty bad. All right, so there's a couple others, but I already have gone fairly long here. So... Thank you guys again. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, I know today wasn't the easiest day across the nation. There's a lot going on. But the fact that you guys continue to engage with us, listen to us, talk about basketball, uh, follow along with us on Twitter, uh, it means the world to us. Uh, we're continuing to grow into the new year. I and mean, that's all because of you guys. So thank you guys again for tuning in. Thank you guys for tuning in tonight and what was a super fun game against the New Orleans Pelicans. And we will be back with you guys on Friday as the Thunder take on the New York Knicks. So it's been pretty hot and pretty solid this season. So it should be another fun game. So as always, thank you guys again.